Open your Bibles, if you would, to Psalm chapter 2, the second psalm, the second psalm in the, in the songbook of the Hebrews, Psalm 2. I can't read the first three verses the way they should be read without a musical score and a crowd and a raucous uh, multitude screaming, crucify him, yelling horrible things like, they still yell today. So read with me if you would. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves. The rulers take counsel against, together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. Now God answers. He that sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. Jesus says, I will declare the decree the Lord has said unto me. Thou art my son. This day have I begotten thee. Ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance in the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now the Holy Spirit convicting to come to him. Be wise now, therefore, O ye kings. Be instructed, ye judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear. And rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry, and you perish from the way. When his wrath is kindled but a little, blessed are all they that put their trust in him. Father, I thank you for the privilege of studying your word. And I thank you for this beautiful psalm where you let us know without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus will rule and reign. We love you and praise you and magnify you. This morning, we do not rage against you. We are not angry with you. We're not fighting against you. We willingly, uh, from the heart, humble ourselves before you and acknowledge you as the God of gods, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator God, the judge of all the universe. We are your servants, and we are very glad that we get to worship you today. I pray, God, that you would deal with hearts. There might yet be some in this room that do not know you. I pray that you would help them come to know you. Then I pray, God, you help every one of us from the bottom of our heart to say, I yield it all to you. And let God have his will and way. Let you have your will and way in our hearts. And we'll give you praise for all. In Jesus' name, amen. Morning is the first Sunday of the month, so we have a bulletin for you. If you don't have one, would you raise your hand? Keep it raised till somebody gets you a bulletin. At the end of the service, I'll come up and give some announcements about events uh, coming up, but that will help you. And then in front of you, or when you came in, you would have received the connection card. If you're new to Vision, we want to know more about you, how we can pray for you. If you attend here every week, it's a great opportunity to fill that out, put an offering plate, and let us know how we can pray for you. All right, if everybody open their Bibles back up to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, we're going to go back over to verse number 5, continue where we left off. I want everyone to think of while you're turning there, because I want you to read this with me, that um, our giving should come after we first have given ourselves to the Lord. You know, it's a very interesting story that's happening right now. The Macedonians were in deep 
poverty. This wasn't like American poverty where you have like a phone and a TV and a roof over your head and consider poor. This was deep. I mean, like we didn't know where food was coming from. Uh, so that's not a barrier to entry right there when it comes to giving any amount. The Lord doesn't look at that. He looks at giving itself. Second was that Paul had to bear witness to the fact of how much they gave because they gave beyond their power, which means that it's God that empowers us and gives us the ability to give. And thirdly, they prayed so that it would actually get to its destination on time because they understood that giving gives us fellowship in the ministry, ministry, if I could speak. So when the pastor goes to Burkina Faso, you're given. You're with him in Burkina Faso. You're part of that ministry. But that's a sentence at the end of uh, verse number four. So we're going to pick up on verse five. It says here in verse five, and this they did. Let's just stop there for a moment. There's lots of things that I plan to do. Lots of things I want to give to. Lots of things I want to see accomplished. I'm sure everybody has those things as well. I just pray the things that we plan to do become the things that we did. So Paul continues and says, but not as we hoped. That's a really nice way of saying that they didn't do it for us. It wasn't my hopes and dreams. I'm sure there's pastors and missionaries all over the world that probably have an idea of what they would like to see happen. That's not why the Macedonians gave that day. It wasn't for their hopes and dreams. And then Paul affirms this in the following portion. But first gave their own selves to the Lord. Have you guys ever given yourselves something? All of a sudden, time, resources, and talent, it's not a barrier anymore because you've given yourself to it. And anything and everything that it takes, you'll see it accomplished. That's what the Macedonians had. That's what we should have to in our heart. And finally, Paul finishes by saying, and unto us by the will of God. It is the will of God to see his offering be used for his ministry because it's God's too. I have a lot of questions sometimes to the last. I wonder what God wants out of my life. What's the will? Well, check this one off because that's the will of God to have his offering for his ministry. So let's try to land this plane real quick. How do you go from deep poverty in order to financially assist in the ministry? Well, you give yourself first unto the Lord. You want to see the church grow? Give yourself first unto the Lord. You want to see ministries grow and see lives saved? Give yourself first unto the Lord. You want missionaries to go all across the world and see others get evangelized? Give yourself first unto the Lord. Why? Because your giving should come after you first should give yourself to the Lord. Because it's God's will that is offering be given to his ministry. And I know the Macedonians did it. Why? Because they did it. I just hope I can say that about myself. Let's pray. Holy Father, thank you so much for your word the ability to study, and the truth. And I just ask you, let us give ourselves to you first. And from that, come the outpouring of our giving. We thank you for all that you do and all that you are. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Take your Bibles, if you would, and turn with me to Psalm chapter 2, or the second Psalm. Our singing and the part of the worship service where we sing the Lord is a lot more important than we might give it credit for. Otherwise, he wouldn't have put 150 songs in his book. He put a book of songs in the book. And so singing is important. And what's most important is not the melody or not the rhythm. Uh, it is the words. And that's why he recorded the words for you. So you'd know. Now, I want you to imagine a church not a church, but the congregation of Israel, similar to a church in the Old Testament. And all around them, everybody hates their God. And they're in a worship service, and they're going to sing Psalm chapter 2. And in Psalm chapter 2, they're going to start out saying, this is what the people say. The people mock God, and they plot against God, and they want to destroy God. And then, I don't know how they arrange the music. I don't know if they had uh, one group singing each of these voices or four voices in this psalm, 
in this one group saying they hate God, and then God answers, and God says, I don't know who you think you are, but you can't do nothing with me. I am God, and I laugh at you laughing at me. And then Jesus said, hey, I'll just tell you who I am. I am the I am, and I will sit on the throne. And he has already given it to me, and I'll get the Gentile nations too. And then the Holy Spirit steps forward and says, won't y'all come on and obey now? I've just tell, I've told you the truth. Why don't you obey? In Psalm chapter 1, we talked about God's word and how you ought to meditate on it. In Psalm chapter 2, we're looking at prophecy. So the Lord's going to tell us what's going to happen. The day is coming when Jesus will rule and reign in the nations of the world. We'll acknowledge him for who he is. This Psalm chapter 2 that we're going to be studying through this morning is the most quoted psalm in all the New Testament. It is quoted at least 18 times in the New Testament. So when, they, you know, when, you're, when you sing it and you get it in your heart and things are happening, and then, then when you make a statement, you, you go back and quote it. Well, the writers of the New Testament quoted it. This is a, what's called a messianic psalm. You ought to write that down. It's a Messiah song. And so they're singing about Jesus. They're singing about Jesus, and they're, they're singing about how that one day the Messiah will come, and he will rule and reign. So a messianic psalm is talking about Jesus. Now, they don't understand uh, what you understand. They don't have the whole Bible. All they know is, if you would look with me real quick in, uh, in verse uh, uh, 7. Look at verse 7. I will declare the decree the Lord hath said unto me, Thou art my son. I will declare the decree you've said unto me, Thou art my son. This day have I begotten you. Verse 8, he said, I will give you the heathen for your inheritance. I'll give you the uttermost part of the earth for your possession. You won't be ruling just in Jerusalem to the borders of Israel. You'll get all the way to the ends of the earth. And he says, And you will rule with a rod of iron, and you'll dash them like a potter's vessel. There are a total of 13 Messianic Psalms, more or less, Masomenos. That's a good way to say it in Spanish. Uh, and this one also would have been sung when they were coronating a king because uh, they would have been talking about him ruling and, as, as a king. I want you to go with me to chapter 2 and verse 1. And I want you to listen to the lost world rage against our God. Look at what it says in verse 1. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their description. There's their, their, their course from us. There's, a, there's no better description of how lost people feel about God. They're the heathen. They're the pagans, and they rage. They get together and riotous reunions to plot rebellion against God. Their rage is a violent anger, furious words and gestures. They're very mad. And they imagine the impossible. If you got your Bible open, chapter 2, verse 1, they imagine a vain thing. They want to get rid of God. They're down here saying, I don't like God. Let's get rid of God. Well, that's a vain thing. That's kind of wasted. They plot against, you need to underline in verse 2, against the Lord and against his anointed. They want to say, we don't like your rules. We don't like your rule. We don't like you being the king. We don't like you telling us what to do. We don't like it being, what, why do you get to tell us what to do? They rage against him. 
And they're imagining vain things. In chapter 2, verse 1, they imagine a vain thing. Here's the interesting thing. That word imagine is the same word as the word meditate in the last verse. In the last verse, you're sitting over going, boy, I just want to think about and, and, and imagine and meditate on the Word of God. And this one, they're all getting together, and they're mumbling something over and over to themselves. They're like, how can we get rid of God? How can we throw away God? How can we destroy what God is doing over us? They imagine a foolish thing. They want to, this is the created wanting to get rid of his creator. This is the thing made wanting to get rid of the thing of the person that made them. They want to get rid of God. Chapter 2 and verse 2, political rulers of the day were making their position very clear. Look at it. The kings of the earth set themselves. You don't know, like that. So the leaders of the world, they don't like it that God's in charge. You know, you realize that a Jewish king was supposed to write his own copy of the Word of God. So he was supposed to start out by saying, I'm going to write Genesis through Deuteronomy down with my own hands. I'm going to make a copy of it, and I'll get up every morning so I can read it and remember that I am not big, God is big, that I don't make rules, God makes rules, that I'm here to be a servant of his and administer for him. I am not uh, to be an administrator for him. I am not in charge. Well, the world doesn't want to hear that. They rule against that. They set themselves against. They want to break God's yoke over them. Chapter 2, verse 3, break their band, cast away their cords. Now, I hear that all the time, don't you? People just hate God. They hate anything about God saying, why should God tell you you can't uh, have sex with whoever you want to have sex with? Why should God tell you what's right and wrong? Why don't I get to make up my own mind about that? Why should God tell me what gender I have to be? Why should God tell me how I ought to live my life? Why should God have the audacity to tell me that? And sometimes I hear Christians even start thinking a little bit like that. And Christians are like, I don't know why. It seems like God's got a lot of rules. But you know, if you're a truly born-again believer, and I want you to write this verse in the margin of your Bible, you need to write down 1 John chapter 5 and verse 3. If you're truly born again and you truly love God, you want to do what God wants you to do. And you should say amen right there. You want to do what God wants you to do. If you love me, what? Come on, if you love me, keep my commandments. But not only that, it's not like I'm over here going, I've got to do what he wants me to do. It's more like, man, I love doing what he wants me to do. He's a good God, and he has been kind to me and merciful to me. Read this verse with me. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 3. This is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And I want you to underline this part of it. And his commandments are not grievous to us. Do you see that? God's commandments aren't hard on me. God's commandments aren't hard on me. I enjoy them. They're not painful to me. I enjoy them. I always tell a young couple when they're about to get married, as soon as you get married, that's it. You don't get to make decisions by yourself. You're not just a lone ranger anymore. Now you got to make decisions based on what he thinks and what she thinks. It's a, you're two of you together. I've been married for 46 years. It'll be 47 in August. I've been married and I'll just be honest with you, you know, she's got a lot of things that she, like rules. I mean, you know, put the toilet seat down. I mean, come on, there's a whole bunch of them. Uh, uh, there's, there's a right way to handle toothpaste. Did y'all know that? If you're married, you know it. Say amen. You know, if you're married, you've learned a whole lot of things. Like I saw somebody just the other day do this. 
somebody was eating with us and they had left their napkin on the table and the girl looked at him and, and made a motion and he grabbed it and put it in his lap real quick. Like, better obey. Say amen. But you know what I can tell you about 46 years of being married to her? I've liked it. And she might have her little rules and she might, oh, uh, she, uh, you got to be really quiet. If you were to, if you were to, if you were to like the light on your phone come on during the night, it would wake Betty up. That light causes her pain and suffering. <laughs> a nightlight will ruin her life. When I get up and get out of the room, it, 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 it's like, it's, 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 I'm getting out of the room because she's like, what do you make noise for? What do you make noise for? Why are you doing that? But you know what? 46 years of it, I take another 46 and God gave it to me. And here's what the Bible's saying. I love Jesus. And I like everything he's got to say. I'll be honest with you. You say, well, he wants you to read the Bible. I know I enjoy it. He wants you to be married to one woman. I know I enjoy that too. He wants you to be a boy if you're a boy. I know I enjoy that too. He wants you to give him money and honor him. I know that. I enjoy that too. I'll just be blunt honest with you. I enjoy doing what he tells me to do. The foolishness of the God haters is seen in Ephesians chapter 2. In verse 2, this is who we used to be. Look at Ephesians 2 with me. Ephesians 2.2. 2. Wherein in time past you walked. See, before you got saved, this is how you walked. You walked according to the course of this world. This world doesn't like our God. This world rages against our God. This world is angry with our God. And you used to be one of them. And I used to be one of them. And we walked according to the prince of the power of the air. You can, are you looking up here? That's the devil, the prince of the power of the air. We went around doing the same thing the devil did. That's our attitude that we used to have. And it's the same, the spirit that works in the children of disobedience. Verse 3, among whom also we had our conversation in times past and the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind. We were like, I, I don't really care what God wants. I want to know what I want. What would feel good to my body, what my mind could conceive of, that's what I want to do. Isn't it amazing? They hate a God they claim that doesn't exist. How do you hate what doesn't exist? Can I just tell you I don't hate unicorns? I really don't. I never wake up in the morning going, oh, God, I hate them unicorns. I'm taking them out today. I'm going to write a blog post today on why unicorns are stupid. <laughs> if, he, if, it, if he doesn't exist, why do they get so into it? Most people do not ima hate imaginary people or imaginary things. Those that most believe God doesn't exist hate him the most and express their hatred. If God doesn't exist then there are no rules. A person can live anywhere they want, do anything they want. They're introducing a new bill again into Georgia, I understand, uh, you know, so that you can let old people die with dignity. Might not be what God wants, but that's what people want. Get rid of my old people. Let's get rid of them. People hate God because they love darkness. The real reason people hate God, Jesus summed it up very clearly. In John chapter 3 and verse 20, Jesus said this, everyone that do, does evil hates the light. And they will not come to the light lest the deeds should be reproved. He that does truth comes to the light. So the verse starts off with these people raging against God. They want to get rid of him. I need you to understand what's going on. They're having committee meetings where they're going, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. They're having meetings where they say, God doesn't exist. We don't believe in God. They're having meetings where they're saying, coexist. That way you don't have to think of the one big God has been so big. They're doing everything they can. They're all together and they're plotting and they're coming up with plans and ways to get rid of God. And so when they sang this song, that's what they were singing about. 
And they're looking around them, and they know, man, the Philistines hate their God, and they know the Moabites hate their God, and the Edomites hate their God, and, and the world hates their God, and they know that. The Holy Spirit said, let me give you the second verse of that song now. First verse, they hate God. Second verse, what's God got to say about it? What's God got to say about it? Look, if you would, with me in Psalm chapter 2 and verse 4. He that sits in the heavens shall laugh. <laughs> you just got to picture this. Can, can you picture this for me? Over here, there's this little crowd of toddlers, and they're all, we don't like God. We don't like God. We don't like God. Let's get rid of God. Help me plan a plan to get rid of God. And God's over here, and he goes, <laughs> that's cute. Look at the Bible. Look at the Bible. This is what it says. He said, they, he laughs. He will have them in derision. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure and say, yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. You see, the God of heaven, the creator, laughs. I just, you, I don't know how I can help you picture this. Here's, here's Deanna Myers, and she's made a big platter of cookies. And they're all there going, that was too hot when you cooked us, and I didn't like the way you stirred us, and y'all are not going to eat us. And she would just look down and go, <laughs> cute. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 22, it is he that sits upon the circle of the earth, and the inhabitants of the earth are like grasshoppers. They're like grasshoppers. He that stretches out the heavens as a curtain and spreads them out as a tent that brings the princes to nothing. You princes will amount to nothing. He makes the judges of the earth as vanity. You need to understand, God is not troubled by all these people talking bad about him. He's not up in heaven going, I don't know what I'm going to do. They're all getting together on me. They're going to rebel against me. They're going to come against me. He, I just, you know, I, I see everything like in cartoons or, or, or old movies I watched. I just see this really big guy holding this other guy with his head, hand on his head. And he's, I'm going to get you. And the guy just laughing. Come on, buddy. You can't get anywhere near me. You can't touch me. You can't hurt me. But I need you to know, because I think you don't know this, God will mock those who rage against him. You'll either submit and humble yourself, or you need to understand, God's not up in heaven going, well, I feel bad about being so mean. God's up in heaven saying, I made you, and I own you, and you will not talk to me that way. Now, you won't like this, but we're going to read it anyway. Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 20. The wise man Solomon wrote this down for his son to read. Wisdom cries without Shudders her voice in the streets. She cries in the chief place of the concourse. In the openings of the gates in the city, she utters her words and says, see, now wisdom's outside, and this is like a personification of wisdom. Wisdom's like a, wisdom's like a person, and wisdom's like, would y'all listen? And in verse 22, how long, you dummies, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? How long will you dumb people keep acting dumb? And the scorners delight in their scorning. And all those that mock, you keep mocking. And fools hate knowledge. Verse 23, turn at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit upon you. Turn, do right, and I'll be there to bless you. I will make known my words unto you. Verse 24, 
I have called, and you refused. I stretched out my hand, and you paid me no attention, no man regarded. Verse 25, you have said at naught, at nothing. You act like everything I say is worthless, all my counsel. And you would none of my reproof. You wouldn't put up with anything I said you did wrong. What's God going to do? What's God going to do? Verse 26, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear comes. And when your fear comes as desolation and your destruction comes as a whirlwind, when distress and anguish comes on you, you'll call on me, but I won't answer you. They'll seek me, but they will not find me. Verse 29. Because they hated knowledge, and they refused to choose the fear of the Lord. They did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would none of my counsel. They wouldn't put up with anything I had to say. They despised my reproof. They hated my reproof. Therefore shall they eat of the fruit of their own way. So you'll get what you deserve. You'll be filled with your own devices. For the turning of the way of the simple shall slay them, and the prosperity of fools shall destroy them. But whoso hearkens unto me shall dwell safely, and shall be quiet from fear of evil. Those are the most horrendous words you could possibly ever read. They've been shooting birds at God, saying he doesn't exist, and mocking him, and laughing at him, and throwing the Bible away, and and mocking the word of God like it was nothing, a, a dumb, antiquated book that they didn't need. And no matter what the preacher said, and no matter what the prayer said, and no matter what the Bible had to say, they laughed at it, and they pushed it aside, and they've done it repeatedly, and repeatedly, and repeatedly, and repeatedly, and repeatedly. And so the day will come when they'll stand in need of him. I can only imagine this at the judgment seat. And they start saying, oh, God, one more chance. Oh, God, one more chance. I believe now. I believe now. Please, God. And he says, I won't listen. And not only will I not listen, I will laugh. This isn't a game. This isn't a matter of opinion. I didn't read to you out of some other secular book. Go back with me to Psalm chapter 2 if you would. I need you to see what it says. In Psalm chapter 2 and verse 4, after they've been rebelling and rioting and mocking him and making fun of him, it says, he that sits in the heavens shall, help me with that word, shall what? Laugh. Really bad word here. Derision. Derision. He'll not just laugh. He'll make them the mocking stock. He will make them the joke. He will laugh and hold them in derision. Chapter 2, verse 5. He will speak unto them in his wrath. That's not the God. That the prosperity gospel guy's preaching. That's not the God that popular preachers are preaching. But this is a song they say in church, in Jewish church, in synagogue. 
in the congregation meeting, they sang a song that said, make fun of God, make fun of God, God will laugh. Make fun of God, he'll, make a, he'll mock you to the end. Make fun of God if you won't, and he will speak in his wrath. I'm just reading the Bible. This is like hymn number two. Hymn number one, holy, holy, holy. Hymn number two, don't make fun of me or I'll make fun of you. He said, y'all can rebel all you want. Y'all can fight against me all you want, but I'm still going to do what I'm going to do. Look at verse 6. He said, you can fight me all you want, but I'm still going to set my king on my holy hill. My king's coming. And y'all are like, I want, to break a, I want to break his bands. I want to get rid of his cords. I don't like him telling me what to do. God is dead. Let's get rid of him. And God's like, that's a funny joke. You got another one? No one gets away with attacking God. Philippians 2.10 says that at the name of Jesus, every tongue, uh, every knee shall bow, and of things in heaven and earth and under the earth, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, the glory of God the Father. So the song starts out, and I, I just can't imagine, I, I uh, I, I don't think I just don't think we picture it. They're in church and they're singing, and they sing verse number one. And in verse number one, it's they make fun of our God. And in verse number two, God says, "You gonna make fun of me? I'll make fun of you, and that ain't gonna work out too good for you." The third thing that said, um, chapter two and verse seven. Now Jesus talks, the Messiah talks. He says in verse seven, "I will declare the decree." The Lord has said unto me, I'll tell y'all what God's already told me. Let me just tell you what God's already told me. You got to understand, this is the creator already told Jesus something. They don't believe in him. They've been saying they're going to get rid of him and throw him away. And he said he's laughing. And now the son of God steps up and goes, let me just tell y'all what he already told me. I'm about to tell y'all some stuff. The father told me. The creator told me. So look at him, thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance, and the uttermost part of the earth for thy possession. You will break them with a rod of iron. They, you will dash them when peace is like a potter's vessel. Jesus knows that God has already called him his son. By the way, when he's on earth, when he gets here, it's announced. When he's baptized, it's announced. God is constantly saying, oh, this is exactly what I said I was going to do. Here is my son. Acts chapter 13 and verse 33. Acts 13, 33. God has appointed, he has begotten, he has put Jesus in place to rule and reign. Acts 13, 33. God hath fulfilled the same unto their children in that he hath raised up Jesus from uh, again, as is also written in the second Psalm, thou art my son. This day do I give you your position. I have begotten you. The God of heaven is like, I am in charge. Next, back in Psalm chapter 2. See, when, when this preacher stands up to preach in Acts chapter 13, he says, open your Bibles to Psalm 2, and I'll just show you where God said he was going to do it, and that's just what you are watching happen. See, God has given to Jesus the nations, people from all over the earth, 
in Daniel chapter 7 and verse 14, there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. God has this plan that Jesus Christ, Jesus the Messiah, will sit on the throne of David and will rule forever and ever. And Jesus tells them, y'all are mocking him. God said he wasn't put up with it. And I'll just go ahead and tell y'all what God said to me. It's all going to happen. Jesus will rule over the entire world. They mock, they mock God. You may allow it to happen. You may believe it's true. But the psalm, the second psalm, the song that's being sung is, no, Jesus wins. In psalm 89, 23, it says, I will beat down his foes before his place and plague them that hate him. In Revelation 19, 15, out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that he would smite the nations, that he would rule them with a rod of iron. He treads the winepress of the fierceness and the wrath of Almighty God. Jesus knows as well as God that no matter how much the world rages and rebels, Jesus will take his place. He is the king of the universe. He is God in human flesh. John 5, 22. The Father, God the Father judges no man. Did y'all know this? But God hath committed all judgment to the Son. That's Jesus. That all men should honor the Son. We're to honor Jesus, even as they honor the Father. And if you don't honor the Son, you don't honor the Father. Now, so far, it's been a pretty rough song. Can you imagine a song service? Chris is up here leading a song. Verse 1, y'all ready? They laugh at God. Verse 2, God laughs at them. Verse 3, Jesus said, I win. But then into verse 4 of the song is just really beautiful. Now the Holy Spirit of God steps up. And look what he says. Psalm 210, be wise. You've heard what I've been saying in the song. Be wise. O ye kings, be instructed. O ye judges. Verse 11, serve the Lord with fear. And rejoice with trembling. Verse 12, kiss the son, lest he be angry, and you perish away from him, away when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are they all that put their trust in him. So, so we've gone from, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. We, we have turned everyone to our own way. We've chosen evil. Our hearts are full of darkness and filth. We're rebelling against God. We don't like God. We're not going to let God have his say. And God says, y'all better get something straight here. I am God, and I'm almighty God, and I will be loved. I will be honored. I will be respected, or I will judge you. You get a choice. And then Jesus says, by the way, guys, over there, he's already told me it's all happening. It's all going to happen. And then the Holy Spirit says, be wise. If you heard what we've been singing, be wise. Be instructed. Serve God. Kiss the Son. Kiss the Son. You say, what in the world does that mean? Uh, kissing 
the king is a sign of allegiance and loyalty and subjection. When I was in Peru first starting, before we got strong enough to have deacons and people that protected the door, ushers, people like that that would help me, I'd be speaking in church, and everybody that came in would come up and shake my hand right in the middle of church, 50 people sitting in front of me. They'd walk up and shake my hand, and the drunks would always pull my hand down and kiss it, my hand. And they'd get down below me, and they'd kiss my hand, and they'd... I mean, I mean, you know, they stink, man. They've got liquor all over them. They've been laying in a ditch all night. But they're all kissing my hand because they want my blessings. Here's what the Holy Spirit says. You better come in here and get down on your face and say, you are the king. I'll humble myself and I'll kiss your ring. And I'll acknowledge you for who you are. Go with me if you would. Psalm 210. Be wise. Make the right decision. To stop rebelling against God. Be wise. Start believing. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Those kings that rebelled are being asked to wise up. Chapter 2, verse 10. Be instructed. Be instructed. Be wise now, therefore, O ye kings. Be instructed, you judges. The judges who feel so wise need to listen and learn. They're warned to listen, pay attention, instead of the actions we saw in Proverbs 1. Do you understand what most of us do? You are soul winners. You tell people about Jesus. You've gotten you to share your faith. They laugh at you and mock you. You are a Sunday school teacher and you teach. And even children that we deal with and the pastors and preachers and missionaries. And we feel like, good night, they won't listen. Nothing new here. Chapter 2, verse 11. Serve the Lord. They're to show God and his Christ respect. I want you to notice that's a kind of a weird verse. You're to serve him with fear. Holy reverence and respect. You don't get together and have meetings against him. You don't go in the back room and say, let's plot to get rid of God. I got a plan. How about evolution? I got another plan. How about let's just get rid of genders? I got another plan. How about let's do child perversion? I got another plan, and you can do all. He said, don't you do that. Serve God and mean it. Serve God and mean it. By the way, we ought to come to this church, and we ought to walk in these doors with our Bible, and we're not here to be a church. We're here to say, God, I'm here to serve you, and I respect you, and I've served with fear and trembling. I realize just how big you are. By the way, we don't even realize how big he is. Do you know it's impossible to realize how big he is? It is impossible to realize how big he is. It's like a mouse trying to figure out the size of an elephant. The mouse might say, he's big. He's big as five or six of my buddies. No, he's not. He's a lot bigger than that. Kiss the sun. This kiss was a sign of worship and respect. It's the, the true king. Oh, well, they kiss the pope's ring. They kiss the king's ring. You see, you realize... There's only one that has the power to destroy you. So kiss his ring. Kiss his ring. Bow down to him. Kiss the sun. This kissing of the sun would be to lower yourself. If you're in Africa it's, uh, and you're older, uh, I was just in Nigeria. When you're in Africa, people will shake your hands. They always put their hand here, and they'll men will bend, women will kind of curtsy. It's like, old man. They call me Baba the whole time. That's like granddaddy. So I'm walking around and, hey, Baba! <laughs> hey, look, punk, I'm not that old. <laughs> Worship him with respect. Bow down and kiss the son. Acknowledge him for who he is. And if you do that, 
you'll be blessed. Look at chapter 2, verse 12. Kiss the son. If you don't kiss him, if you don't bow down and show respect, he will kill you. Look at the verse. Sorry. I wish I could make this Joel Osteen enough. Kiss him or he'll make him mad and you will die. You read that? I didn't say that. When his wrath is kindled but a little. You do know what John 3.36 says. It's not in the notes there, guys. But John 3.36 says, you don't believe him if you refuse to believe him. The wrath of God abides on you. But look at the verse. Blessed are they all that put their trust in him. If you would but put your trust in him. He is great and powerful, but he's full of sweet love. And he says, you can still come. In Matthew chapter 7, there's a story of the judgment. And in this story of the judgment, they say, Lord, Lord. And he says, I don't know you. And they say, we've done a lot of good stuff. He said, you didn't do the one thing I asked. You didn't obey. You didn't believe. You didn't trust. So where do you personally stand on the issues today? How many of you are raging against God in this room? Maybe even while I've been speaking, you've been like, I don't like this. In your heart, you've been like, oh, I don't like this. I'll keep a nice smile on my face and make everyone think I'm going, but I don't like it. I don't like it. He thinks he's the only God. I don't like it. He gets to make the decision. I don't like it. I don't like it. Is that where you are today? You try to reason away God and your sin and your rebellion. It's not real sin because, you know, if there's no God, there's no sin. If there's no rule maker, there's no rebellion. What position are you making clear today? You see, the kings and rulers, they set themselves. They said, let me just go ahead and make an announcement on the news tonight. I am against God. Where have you made, what announcement are you making? Do you find his blessing, his commandments to be blessings or curses? Do you see God for who he is? Do you see him as bigger and greater than you could ever imagine? Do you humbly listen to him and obey him? Have you acknowledged him as Lord? By the way, that word Lord is not what you think it is. That word Lord is more like, it's more like living in the days of the kings of old. And there's one Lord. And he's the big shot and he rules over everything. But there's one Lord of all, all lords. And that's the God of heaven. And you recognize him as God, big, powerful, all-powerful, God. And you say, I know he's God. I know he's God. Will you decide today to love and honor God? The beautiful thing is, as the song ended, I hope there were tears in the room as they sang Psalm chapter 2. And they said, be wise, be wise, be instructed, serve the son, kiss the son. There's still time for you. But soon you will die and there'll be no time. You will die. You're not going to live forever. But soon you will die. But soon Jesus may come back in an an open, uh, a, a twinkling of an eye, it'll all be over. You'll be without a chance. Kiss the sun.